There really is no mystery to the answer to this question. The grass is always going to be greener where it's been fertilized and watered. Likewise with your life and my life, the more we tend to our life, tend to the matters of the heart, tend to the principles of God, tend to the responsibilities of life, the more lush and plush our life our lives are going to be. Welcome back to Kingdom Increase with Amanda Hall. I'm Amanda Hall, wife to Rodney, mom to Cecily, and pastor at Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. And we are hitting life's issues with heaven's perspective. Amen. So we're going to hit it today. Whose grass is greener? Well, clear enough, right? You probably read, read before. Whose grass is greener? You know, that grass, uh, you know. The grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where it's been watered. Amen. Come on now. And so this is one of life's issues because we tend to want to compare ourselves to others. The other side of it is this. We want to, con- we want to com- compare our lives to other people's highlight reels, right? If you look at social media, most of the time, social media posts from individuals are highlight reels, right? They're the ups. They're the celebrations are all the good things and other people they don't ever have anything to celebrate their their <laughs> social media post is one whine and one complaint and one problem uh right after another so at any rate but you get what i'm i'm saying like you're either seeing people's low life or their highlight reels but the reality is is that god has called every one of us to live the high life he has given us the ability Uh, to walk in abundant life because Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly to the full till it overflows, right? And so, but many people, and again, most of the time when I'm ministering to, to believers, if your grass ain't green, that's on you. That ain't on anybody else. That ain't on your spouse. It ain't on your parents. It ain't on your, um, your children. It's not on your pastors or your friends. That's on you. How lush and plush your life is, is dependent upon you. How, how have you been tending to your life, right? I said, hearts of the matter, principles uh, of God, responsibilities, um, of life. These are things that must be taken care of. And you know, that saying how you do anything is how you do everything is, is true and evidenced in people's lives. Amen. Now, look, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about judging people's life when they're in the process. We're all in the process of going. We should be to new levels, right? We should all be in the process of going to new levels, but your level is not my level. So if I go comparing myself to you, I may think I've failed when actually I'm doing great in the level I'm supposed to be at. The Bible tells us, God says through Paul, he said, basically this, you're stupid when you want to compare yourselves with other people. Amen. So quit looking at everybody else's green grass or what you think looks like green grass. Maybe it's not even green grass. Maybe it's, maybe it's AstroTurf. <laughs> maybe there's nothing real about it at all. It's nothing but a show. <laughs> Come on now. You know what I'm saying. But if you'll tend to your life, then your grass will be green and it'll always be green. Let's look at a few scriptures here. You may have noticed in the past few episodes, I've cut down um, the length of time 
in, in my podcast. Um, I don't know if it'll make much of a difference or not, but it's something that I, that I'm going to shoot for, for the now, but I'm not going to say I ain't going to change it. I, I actually am hoping in the future, and that might mean starting next year, 2024, to get a bit of a different format for this. And really, I'm hoping even um, to start um, adding a, a video podcast to it too. So we'll, we'll just see. Um, I want to have some guests and some things like that I'd like to do. So I'm looking forward to that. But First <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Let me know. You know, send me a direct message. Let me know what you think. You know, my goal in this is one, to be obedient to what the Lord's called me to do. And two, is to bless you with the teaching of the Word of God. And that, that's what I'm focused on, whether they're longer teachings, whether they're shorter teachings. And really what I'm doing is taking a lot of longer teachings and, and breaking them up into shorter things. Why? Because I tend, the anointing, the Holy Spirit tends to operate through me. When I'm ministering the Word, I, I go longer maybe than some do. You know, people get upset about that. Why can't you be short? Well, because I have to operate in the anointing the way the anointing operates through me. Amen. I have to be me. Just like David couldn't wear Saul's armor to defeat Goliath, he had to use the weapons that he was used to, the weapons obviously that that Goliath wasn't used to, right? And he had to do what he was comfortable being who he was. And so I am who I am because God's made me that way. And praise God, he's done a lot of work on on me and done a lot of change and I'm not done yet. Amen. But I can't change who I am when it comes to the core of what God's called me to do operating in the way he's called me to operate. I don't do well on time limits, you know, and that's one of the things that, that I'm actually looking at. Uh, there's a couple places that, you know, and I might only minister there one time a year or something, you know, but they put me on a time limit. Is it even worth that to me? Because how can I operate in the spirit of God when that time limit is cutting off the ability of the spirit. And I know for some people they're like, well, what does it really matter? Well, because it does matter. You know, I I understand that much of the American church likes to put God in a box. They like to have programs and groups and all these things, but do, do these things transform our lives? Do, you know, is the presence, I I really have, have just I'm just the type of person that I don't want to engage in activities that are just something to be doing. I want, I expect when I'm in the presence of God, I don't care what the title of that is or whatever it is. I expect the presence of the Lord to be there. I expect myself to walk out differently than what it was when I came in. And I understand this podcast is audio and you can't see me and I can't see you and you can really listen to this at any time. But that does not mean that it can't transform you. You have the opportunity to sit and listen to these podcasts and allow them to transform you because that's what the word of God does. It transforms you. Amen. And so that's what I want to do. And I want to allow the spirit of God to work as he wants to work. And I want him to use me the way he uses me. I don't expect him to use me the way he uses everybody else. I'm you know, and, and that's just it. And it's the same with you. And I don't need to apologize for it. Amen. <laughs> but, you know, so if you've noticed that these have gotten shorter, it's because I'm just really 
following the spirit of the Lord and, and, and preparing for, for what's next. Like I said, there's some th- other changes that are going to be made a- along the way and improvements, I believe, um, as I can. So First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. In the New Living Translation, it says, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. In the Amplified Classic, those verses read, I planted and Apollos watered, but God all the while was making it grow and he gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but only God who makes it grow and become greater. In verse 9, it says, For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with and for God. You are God's garden, God's vineyard, God's field under cultivation. You are God's building. And just like any garden, any, any field, any vineyard, and even any building, like there's a plan that goes in into that. If you're going to see the maximum level of fruit, Um, come out of that. If you want to see the maximum level of life for your own life, then you've got to have a plan and you've got to work that plan. Amen. It needs to be the plan of God, but you need to make a plan and allow him to adjust it so that it fits in to what he has for you. But you've actually got to do something. You you have got to tend to yourself. If you want to be lush and plush, if you want your life to be lush and plush, then you're going to have to tend to your life. First and foremost, you need to tend to the matters of the heart, right? It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. When you let things um, fester in your heart, you know, you can't, can't do that. You know, I talked recently on a fence. You can't have that. There's so many things that, that you have to tend to. Then it's the principles of God. It amazes me how many people that are Christians don't even follow the basic principles of God. Things that they, that they think are subjective, meaning it depends on the circumstance or the person or the situation, or that they think are optional. I'm just going to tell you, and this isn't because I'm a pastor, because I was this way before I was a pastor. Being part of a local church body, an active part, who attends regularly, serves, gives of time, skills, gifts, and finances, that is not an option for a Christian. I don't care what anybody says. It's not optional. Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. If you read the verse before that, it says you need to to be focused on how you can help one another grow into doing good works. You can't do that if you're not part of a local body. It's just, I don't care. People have excuses that they they think, you know, they want to call, you know, a prayer group that they meet with, you know, once a month or whatever. That's not that's not meeting together in the form that God has designed, right? Because you do remember Jesus gave gifts to the church. Those gifts that Jesus left when he ascended were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. How many of those are present in your 
prayer group. And what I mean by that, how many of them are taking their place of leadership? The reason people are not a part of a local body, plain and simple mostly, is because they will not submit to authority. That's, that's just how it is. They will not submit, submit to spiritual authority. They think every person in the body of Christ is at the same level. And that's just not how it, that's not what the Bible says. And the other reason, there is another reason, which I've found actually recently, because with people that we have coming to our church, you know, now they literally tried so many churches by where they lived and they were just religious or dead or so many out of order things were not, you know, leadership and stuff doing things that they shouldn't be doing that were not, you know, that are sinful or, or whatever. And so they actually became online members to a powerful church, but then realized how important it was to have a local fellowship. And so they just decided they were going to find a local fellowship like that online powerful church that they could actually have that fellowship and be a part of. And so that's why they, they're, they're a part of our church and they have to drive. They have to drive to, to get to us, you know. But the principles of God, you have to tend to those. That people don't, they, they, they don't get it. They don't, for whatever reason, I, I you know, they, they think they're going to have a lush, plush life without following the principles of God. It, it's not possible. And you don't get to pick and choose, you know, and they're not hard in the sense what I mean, like they're simple. They may be hard in that you have to make a decision that maybe goes against your flesh, your comfort zone, your emotions, like, you know, our you know, part of our church family, they have to drive. That's not always easy when you're getting kids ready in the morning and, you know, and, and you're having to make a long drive, but it's worth it. Amen. And so, you know, the, it, but it's not difficult in the sense that there's a lot of just hoops you got to jump through, right? Jesus is very simple. Just follow the principles of God, right? He says what he means and he means what he says. Now we just got to believe him and then start operating in them. And then we need to tend to the responsibilities of life. You can't be a slacker in life. <laughs> Your life will never be lush and plush when you don't take care of the basic duties of life. You know, one of the things that Paul says, and this wasn't a command from God. He was just giving basic, um, sensical um, counsel to people that were not married. He said, look, I'm telling you when, you, when you get married, now you not only have you to take care of and not just tend to what God asks, but now you have a spouse you have to be responsible for. And there's a lot of responsibilities that go in that. And then you typically have a family, children, so there's a lot more responsibilities. And so, so anyone that's been graced to be able to live holy and not get married, he said, it will save you a lot of, of, um, other responsibilities that if you allow them could get in the way of you serving the Lord. But likewise, you know, if you're not graced with that, like Paul was, man, you're going to struggle in, in, in temptation of sin. If you try to remain single and God wants you to be married because God clearly stated, it's not good for man to be alone. So I don't think there's a lot of people on the earth that are intended uh, to, to remain single all their life. I think God wants you to be married. I think he wants you to uh, be fruitful and multiply. He wants you to raise a family, right? 
the thing is, is he wants you to follow his principles and he always wants to be first. And that's where we get a little bit messed up is that we don't follow the principles of God when and following the responsibilities of life. God, God will not take second place, third place, last place, no place, but first. He'll be first or he won't be at all right? You can't put God on the back burner of your life and just call him up anytime you're in crisis. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, right? And so we have to tend to responsibilities of life. You know, just because I'm a pastor and just because Rodney's a pastor, that doesn't make Rodney irresponsible for providing financially for our family. That doesn't make me irresponsible of a of making sure I manage our home well, you know, taking care of things. It doesn't mean that I'm the only one that does things in our house. Although right at this time, I mostly am because Rodney's schedule has him, uh, you know, uh, but you see what I'm saying? Like, you know, we have assignments and responsibilities as husband and as wife to, to make this life go. Those assignments don't go away just because we're in full-time ministry. And actually, like I said earlier, you know that saying where it says how you do anything is how you do everything. And, and God himself clearly states in the word, you know, Jesus talks about it. He said, if you can't be faithful in little things, then how do you think God is going to get put you in charge of anything that is that is eternal, that is extremely important, other people's lives or, or, or whatever it is. Right. And so even when God gives instruction to Paul on how, um, elders and leaders, bishops, stuff, deacons and in, in the body of Christ should be one of, in all of those roles, one of the main things is they have to have their their, their home and their family in line, <laughs> right? Those that live in their home have to be in order. And so these are important principles of God. And so many times Christians and even leaders in the body of Christ wonder why things don't quite line up and why their life don't seem to, to be too plush and lush. And a lot of it's because their home is out of order. They're not in proper order right? They don't have proper husband and wife relationship. They don't, their children are not aligned. Their children aren't serving the Lord. And I'm talking about the children in your home. There are no excuses. I don't care what your excuse is. It, you know, people say, well, you know, well, they're, they're, you know, with, with their, you know, because you have a lot of blended homes now where people have been divorced and, and then remarried and, and, you know, God's good to us, right? And all of that's been forgiven, but that doesn't take away sometimes the struggles that can come when the homes are blended. But if those children are in your home on Sunday and you serve God, they need to be serving God. Amen. They need to be in church. There's no excuses or reasons behind it. See, there's responsibilities in life and the principles of God besides just the heart matters of our own individual lives that must be tended to if we want our lives to truly flourish, if we want our grass to be lush and blush, amen. <laughs> if we want our garden to grow, we have to tend to it. We have to fertilize it. We have to water it. Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 26, it talks here 
about how Jesus, for the church, that's you and I, sanctifies her, talking about the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, right? And so it's essential to continue. We know, according to the, the parable of the, the seed and the sower, that the seed is the word, right? And so that seed's been planted in your heart. It should be continually planted in our hearts, right? We must remain in the word of God. God uses that word to sanctify us. That's what Jesus said as he prayed to the father, sanctify them, um, father with your truth and your word is truth. And then he goes on to say here in Ephesians, he basically reiterates that, um, through Paul by washing the water of the word, but that water then also bringing in proper nutrients, making sure we're able to assimilate the nutrients that, that we're getting. So the, the word is the seed, but the word is also the water. And so there's no way your grass is going to be lush and plush without an ample supply of the word, right? Which is going to be the fertilizer and the water that is needed. And then Isaiah chapter 58, let's go there real quick. This is another key. I believe in keeping your grass green, if you will, keeping your life lush and plush. You know, I, like I said, this, I, I don't know if I said this, but I meant to say at, at the beginning, this isn't some deep theological conversation we're having here today. It's really the simple, practical application of the kingdom of God in our lives. And to be honest, in my opinion, that's where most Christians are missing it is that they can't even apply the simple, simple, practical application of the kingdom of God in their life. And they're wondering why their life is always a struggle, why they're always coming up against. You know, I mean, life is going to have its struggles. It's going to have its challenges. It's going to have, you know, its battles. But you can tell when someone is living a lush and plush life. Because it's like those, you don't even know most of the time about those battles in their life until they're over. You, you didn't hear one word about the struggle they had until they, until they saw the victory in it, right? You didn't hear uh, about um, the battle that they were in until um, they go to tell you how God triumphed in their life through it, right? This is the difference in many people's lives. Isaiah Oh, I want it in the new living. 58. You have to understand that God hasn't assigned you a less por portion of his goodness, less portion of his power, less portion of his victory, less portion of his blood, less portion of his love, less portion of his joy, less portion of his peace than he's assigned to anybody else. We're all given the same in Christ. It's just we are the ones that determine, right? The seed is always good. It's the soil of our heart that determines how that seed is going to produce. So the seed of God's word in your life is always going to be good, but whether your grass is lush and plush is going to depend on the soil of your heart and how you tend to the matters of your heart how you tend to the principles of God and how you tend to the responsibilities of life. Isaiah 58 verses 10 and 11. 
It says, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. So I think that another aspect of, of staying well-watered so that you can be a lush and plush a garden producing, um, your life being abundantly producing um, for the Lord is not just the word of God, right? And that fertilizer that comes from the word and the watering the word and the spirit of God's working in our life, but it's also serving others. It says feed the hungry and help those in trouble. You know, it's also serving others. That is another fertilizer for your life to be more lush and plush. Get your mind off of you and put it on serving others. Take your mind off your problems and put it on how you can solve someone else's problems. And watch what God will do when you intentionally go to solve someone else's problem. Watch God solve your problem. Put it on someone else's heart to come and help you where you're struggling and help you solve your problem. Amen. And so that is another key. For your life to be lush and plush is we've got the word, the, the, the seed and the water of the word and the fertilizer of the spirit and serving others. And finally, let's look um, at Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 11 and 12. For the Lord has redeemed Israel from those too strong for them. They will come home and sing songs of joy on the heights of Jerusalem. They will be radiant because of the Lord's good gifts, the abundant crops of grain, new wine and olive oil, and the healthy flocks and herds. Their life will be like a watered garden and all their sorrows will be gone. See, this is what the Lord has done for you and I through Christ Jesus. He gives us abundant crops of grain, new wine, olive oil, healthy flocks, herds, and our lives are like a watered garden and all of our sorrows will be gone. We will be radiant because of God's goodness, because of God's gift. This is what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Again, he didn't give you less than he gave me or anybody else. This is what's available to us, but it is our responsibility to tend to our own gardens. That means you are responsible to tend to you. You are responsible to tend to you. You are responsible for plugging in by faith and faith without actions, faith without works is dead, right? Doing these things. Again, like I said, and this is oftentimes where we're, People get, why can't you give us some deep spiritual revelation, Amanda? Why you don't even have a revelation of the simplicity of living in the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Your, what, what does that, let, let me look it up. 
It'll be easier for instead of me trying to figure it out. People want to go deeper when they can't even get the basics. And I, I, I lay out the basics because really this is where life is. It's actually the little things that become the big things. Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. God's been so good to you and God's been so good to me and he's provided everything. The Lord is my shepherd. I do not lack, right? He leads me beside still waters, right? What, what's, the, what's, what's it say about green pastures? Come on. Green pastures. Hallelujah. He makes me to lie down in fresh, tender, and green pastures. See? But that's the thing. He provides the green, but then it's our responsibility to tend to it, to fertilize it, to keep it watered. Hallelujah. God's mercies have been so good to you and so good to me. He says, so I beg of you to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. See, people, they, well, I just want a, a massive encounter, uh, you know, w with the Lord. He'll, he'll, you'll have that if you'll yield yourself to him, if you'll hunger for him. If you'll yield yourself to the move of a spirit, but your true spiritual worship isn't singing songs. Your true spiritual worship is yielding yourself, offering yourself as a living sacrifice. See, this is how we get into the deep things of God, right? We get the deep communication. Let me find this real quick. And fellowship of God. Not because we can sing a song really well. Not because we spend hours and hours singing songs. The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, revere, and worship him. And he will show them his covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. Who gets that kind of companionship with the Lord? Those that fear, revere, and worship. What is your proper spiritual worship? To, to dedicate, to offer your full self, spirit, soul, and body, your mind, your strength, right? Your will to the Lord as a living sacrifice. You're the one that gets that sweet, satisfying, fulfilling companionship where he shows you um, his deep covenant, the deep and inner meaning of that covenant. That's where it's at, folks. You can't get any deeper but being in the place where you recognize how good God's been to you and everything he's done for you in Christ. And that becomes a reality in your life. And to all around, they will see your life looks lush and plush to them. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The grass is always going to be greener where it's been fertilized and watered. And that responsibility, folks, is ours. It's your responsibility to tend to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God.
Thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that's in your word. Thank you for the practical instruction of living in the kingdom of God victoriously, gloriously, no matter what the enemy throws, no matter what trouble um, comes our way. I thank you, Lord, that your righteousness, your peace, and your joy reigns in our life through Christ Jesus and by the power of your spirit. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.